Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. Today's guest on the LinkedIn Smart podcast started her LinkedIn journey in 2008 when she used the platform to find a new career. Fast forward to today, she is a successful LinkedIn trainer, national presenter, and book author. She is well-known among LinkedIn coaches because she puts together a very unique LinkedIn rankings of trainers and experts. Here she comes, Brenda Miller. So Brenda, welcome to LinkedIn Smart Podcast. Uh, It's uh, been a long time coming, but uh, finally I got you on my podcast. Uh, Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for having me and thanks for my for the patience. I was kind of pushing a, a couple of things aside as I was working on some big projects at the end of last year. Uh, you've been very, very busy and we're going to talk about it uh, because uh, there was a lot of, lot of activities uh, which uh, were, were done by you. And uh, before we start um, with that, uh, I always ask my guest the first question that's always the same, you know, how have you started with LinkedIn? I know, I know that you are the very early adopter. So Tell us your story. So I was anti-social media back in the day. I remember when all my friends were getting on Facebook and I kind of thought, why do I as a married woman want to get on Facebook? That seems crazy. And then when LinkedIn started rolling around, I remember it used to get those little notes from people saying someone invited you to join their professional network on LinkedIn. You're like, what's this? And I remember all of us were kind of like the, the fourth or the fifth or the sixth person would send it. And we're like, what is this? But for me, it was like someone I respected in my industry she, I, I worked with her and she walked up to me at work and she said, have you heard about this LinkedIn? And um, I said, no, what's, what's it about? And she told me a little bit, it's a professional networking site. And it's a way to connect with people from around the world, different industries. And I said, oh, I'll give it a try. So for me, I kind of started back in 2006. And then when I was ready to make a career change in 2008, that's when I really started to lean into it and um, made a direct connection with a hiring manager for a position I was interested in at the time. And that was 2008, which was the height of the recession here in the US. Um, it was a really difficult time to find a job. So when I figured out that this was a different path to avoiding that black hole of the job search, then I was like, wow, this is gonna be a game changer. And then since then, I really have used LinkedIn more as a marketing professional, as a company representative, a brand ambassador, and up until a few years ago, I was working for companies, and then I was able to kind of set up my own um, brand position, you know, developing my online brand on LinkedIn. So when I had a career transition occur, um, as I was looking for where where I wanted to go next, people started approaching me and saying, hey, can you help me with my LinkedIn? Can you help me with marketing strategy? Can you help me with social media? And LinkedIn actually created a career path for me. So, you know, now I'm independently employed. My company is Meller Marketing. I've been doing this for a little over three years full time now, and I help people unlock the power of LinkedIn. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, how was the transition for you? Because um, um, I think, I think as, a, as a practitioner, you practice a lot of things on, on a platform, but then obviously start teaching things and, and, and helping people with LinkedIn. It's a bit of a you know, different story, I guess. How was the transition for you going uh, to a LinkedIn trainer or LinkedIn coach? Uh, you know, it was kind of a gradual. I, I wasn't one of those people who was planning on doing the side hustle leading to a full-time career. I know there's people out there that are like that. And and I always ad- admired people that had done that. But for me, it was, I, I guess, because I had an early footing and understanding how to use LinkedIn 
And then I also had a knack for teaching it to others. And when I got that job back in 2008, when I started with the, the organization, um, they were doing workshops on helping people who are unemployed. And they said, hey, can you do a social media for job seekers? And I said, well, I only know from my experience, you know, I'm not an expert in this, but they said, but yeah, but nobody else knows how to do what you did. So I started teaching it to others. Um, so for me, it was kind of gradual. It was like, it was starting with, you know, those initial kind of freebies, you know, offering webinars and back in the day it was in-person events. And then eventually I started kind of doing a blog, you know, and doing a blog on the side and just jotting my thoughts down because I saw recurring patterns of questions that people were asking. And I said, well, this is silly for me to type this down again and again and again. Why don't I just put this in a blog and then I'll send the person the blog link when the next person asks. So I kind of started that. And then I was being approached for speaking engagements here and there. And I would usually say, I'll, I'll do it for free if I can bring somebody for my work and they can do the, the sales pitch for the business. Or if you want, you can pay me, I'll take the day off work and it won't be a sales pitch. And you know, half, half, half the time they would pay and half the time they wouldn't. But that made sense for me to set up an LLC. So it was kind of a gradual process for me. Um, and then, you know, once I was out in the job market again and I was interviewing and looking for a job, I was really leaning into my network for coffee meetings and you know lunches and things like that, phone conversations, uh, and it was it was really like it wasn't like a conscious decision. It was someone approached me saying, "Can you help me rewrite my profile?" And and I said, "Like yeah, I guess I can. I, I guess I do have a process for doing that." And it was it was event it was kind of gradually developing those offerings and services, and then all of a sudden realizing, "Gosh, this could be a business for me." So really doing what I'm doing now is not much different than what I was doing in corporate in that I am a brand ambassador, but now it's for my own company. And I've also put on another hat, which is salesperson, you know, so um, I'm, I guess I, one of the things I call myself is the marketer who gets LinkedIn. So my background is as a marketer, it's not a salesperson. So my approach is always thinking about who is your target audience? What are your business goals? How do we work this thing called LinkedIn into helping you with those areas? And also, you know, what's human behavior? Because there's a psychology on LinkedIn, you know, what people respond to and what they don't. And knowing as a marketer, what I respond to as a, as a consumer, I guess, I was using those same approaches. I don't like heavy sales pitches. So my approach is more relationship building, trust building, and subtly putting out small asks here and there and letting people nibble on it. And today, I mean, where, where I get most of my business is from referrals. It's not from, I don't do any cold calling or lead generation at all. I do zero of that but I'm getting a steady stream of probably three to four inquiries coming to my business a week right now. Fantastic. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of angles how we can look at LinkedIn and uh, I see a lot of people uh, on the platform teaching different aspects of LinkedIn. Somebody is more focused on a personal profile, somebody more about um, the about summary, somebody is more for the corporate. What is actually your specialty and what do you, what do you enjoy teaching? Yeah, so my specialty, I guess, is catering to the director level and above um, executive, you know, maybe working in business development or um, may just be in a company leadership role. And I, and I like to call this category people uh, experience rich, but social media apprehensive or LinkedIn apprehensive. You know, I don't want to do things the wrong way, but I know my profile doesn't represent who I am. So, you know, having come from a corporate background where I was sitting in the boardroom and working with an executive team, you know, I, I know. I know the concerns from a um, standpoint of, you know, you want to look look and, and be representative of the level of leadership that you're at. And 
you know, understanding how they're trying to represent themselves. You know, I kind of speak the language, there's no bad questions, a judgment-free zone type of an approach and offering some hand-holding, whether that is one-on-one -on -one coaching delivered through Zoom now because of the pandemic, or a profile rewrite. I don't special, I don't do resumes at all. I don't specialize in that. So if somebody comes to me and says, hey, can I do, can you do my resume and my LinkedIn? I usually refer them to my friend, Heather Coleman Boss. She does that as a package. What I do is solely LinkedIn. So whether that's individual coaching, profile rewrite, ongoing strategy coaching, or you know, maybe it's a company page strategy or company team training, that's kind of the niche. Now, over the past year, I've, I've extended that a bit, reaching more into the job seeker market out of a personal desire I have and how to help people that are unemployed, not by choice because of this pandemic. So, you know, my business took a little bit of a hit. I think all of ours did. And I said, well, while I'm waiting for things to come back, I may as well keep up with visibility and also pay it forward, knowing this whole social media karma thing will, will work its way out. It will come back to me someday. So in the meantime, I'm going to focus on other people. I gave away a lot of free webinars and workshops and things like that. And, um, you know, now, now things are starting to come back a bit. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. You mentioned that um, you're bringing people from the apprehension to uh, appreciation, right, uh, of, of a LinkedIn. And I'm pretty sure that especially the target audience um, you focused on, the C-level managers or, uh, or the more experienced, as you mentioned, um, they are pretty apprehensive of LinkedIn. I would, I would think so. So how do you help them to overcome that type of apprehension? That's a great question. So I mean, it begins within a conversation and usually they come to me by way of referral. So there's already something that happens within that magical space of a referral. Someone says, you know, hey, your profile looks great. And they say, Brenda did it, you know, and then they'll, they'll refer my name over. Or um, I work with a lot of chambers and organizations in the area. So they work with people on their board or um, people who are member companies or sponsors at the executive level that will say, I need somebody, do you know anybody who does this? So they're coming to me with trust, you know, it's, it's a question mark trust, but they're coming to me having, you know, feel that I've been vetted by somebody already. And then we start the initial conversation and I ask them about what are their goals and what are they, what are their challenges or what are their apprehensions about using LinkedIn? Is it a time commitment? Is it a not sure what to do? Is it a I don't want to look like I'm looking for a job. Um, is it I want to look like I want to look for a job, but I don't want people to know. So there's there's a lot of areas. And I usually tell them my um, kind of personal policy on working with clients is similar to a doctor or a lawyer, kind of that patient confidentiality, the things I talk about with executives, I don't share with anyone. Um, and I say, usually tell them, you know, share as much as you want. But the more information you can be truthful and honest with me about what you're using on LinkedIn and what your concerns are and what your goals are, then the more I can tailor the instruction and training and profile rewrite to help you to meet those goals. Mm -hmm. um, and I usually tell people the concerns and questions you have, I can guarantee somebody else has had the same question or concern. So when they know their safety in numbers, you know, especially that experience rich, but not sure what to do on LinkedIn. And I don't want to go to my marketing person and say, I don't know what I'm doing because then the marketing person's going to go, well, how did you become a C-level if you don't know what you're doing? You know, so there's, there's that hesitation. And if I can kind of guide them through that, do a little bit of handholding that usually helps out. I found that uh, talking to C-level managers, usually it's uh, um, whenever, whenever we speak about LinkedIn, uh, they always say uh, that they kind of fear um, to be on a platform. They understand that they need to be on a platform. They don't know how many information to share uh, from the personal perspective, from the business perspective. So how do you balance this out and um, how do you actually craft 
the proper strategy for um, the managers like that? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and what I find is the higher, the higher you move up in an organization and the larger the organization, the more the concern, uh, the greater the concern, I should say, about personal versus business. And, you know, when you're in a senior leadership role within an organization, you are the company, you are representing the company. So even if you say, if you just put a disclaimer, say these viewpoints are my own, people are still going to associate it to the viewpoint of the company. Um, so generally speaking, LinkedIn is a professional networking site. So I start with that. This is not sharing pictures of your dog and what you ate for lunch and, you know, where you're going on vacation. This is not that type of a network. These are more like things that you would share with colleagues if you're in the coffee room at work and um, if you're at a meeting or a, net, a net networking event. So these are more conversation level items that we're sharing in our profile. And even there's some fields on LinkedIn that I don't recommend you use, like the birthday field for one. I don't know why they have that on the profile. And, and some of my clients, they work in insurance, financial services, and they may say, well, I have a hard time getting a hold of people, but if I if they send me a happy birthday wish, I can reply back and say, hey, thanks, Brenda, and let me know if you'd like to talk about your insurance needs. Um, so there's a business case for that, but for the most part, it's a professional networking site. I don't go around the office and say, it's my birthday, wish me a happy birthday. So like I shut those that off and there's other areas in your privacy and settings and Viatech, and you know this, you can shut th certain things off. You, you don't have to, um, have your your profile set up in a way that people know that you're looking at your profile so you can you can limit that in terms of your privacy <clears throat> so so brenda i wanted to ask you um still keeping that that um, that theme of of a c-level managers or, or um, the, the managers at, 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 um, at large uh, what do you see uh, is the main mistake they are making on linkedin Oh, holding back from not being active at all. Um, and it might even be not filling out their profile or having filled out their profile back in like 2007 and then not having it touched it since then. I always tell people you're on, if you have a profile, you're on LinkedIn, regardless if you're active on LinkedIn or not, people are looking you up. They are visiting your profile. They're making judgments about you. And if you are in a leadership position or even in a business development role, if they're thinking about doing business with you and they see that your profile is inactive, it kind of says, you know, you're not keeping up with technology. I mean, LinkedIn is is the place to be from a professional networking standpoint. And even in the C-suite level at the largest organizations, and they might have somebody managing the account for them, but those executives are active on LinkedIn. So when, when I see someone who has, you know, an incomplete profile, hasn't ever posted on LinkedIn, um, there's fields that are missing or, you know, there's, there's just low hanging fruit, you know, things that they could be filling on the profile they're not. Um, it's usually because of their apprehension. It's, um, you know, they haven't thought about it. You know, they just don't know where to begin. It's feeling so overwhelming. So they choose to do nothing. And I think that's the biggest mistake. Hmm. What do you do with those, with those guys who, who are out there and uh, they're posting some stuff which is absolutely unrelated to the company. They, they don't respect any, any branding of, of the company and still they're, they're in a senior role of, uh, of, of a company. Did you have any, any cases like that? I mean, because I've seen, I've seen quite, an, quite a number of those on the LinkedIn. Yeah, I, I mean, usually when I think about what do you post on LinkedIn, you, you don't always wanna be posting sales messages and actually very rarely do I post a sales message, but you do occasionally want to be talking about your company and you do want to be talking about your industry, but you want to be thinking about who is your ideal target audience and why do they care? 
you know, why do they care about what you're posting and how does what you're posting line up with the goals of your company and the goals of your target audience? So sometimes they might be posting things that are inspirational quotes and it might not, you know, it might not be a branded quote and it might have anything to do with the tech industry, the automotive industry, engineering, wherever they're coming from, but it is, it's resonating. It's getting engagement on LinkedIn. And I, and I, and I like to see stuff like that. People like to see a variety of posts because it shows that we're real human beings, Mm -hmm. but you know, sometimes there's things like things that bother me is when they, when they share a link to an article and the preview image is showing like people, but their heads are cut off because the image wasn't um, created properly for SEO, for social sharing, things like that, where they don't even realize that they can make that change. I say, usually go back to your marketing department, have them tweak the page um, coding and, and make sure the, the page image is properly sharing. So we're not cutting people's heads off, you know, things like that. Um, and even then, you know, if you share articles out, include some setup text with it. So it's kind of like, if I go to the restaurant I go to a restaurant, you know, back in the pre COVID days, of course, and you sit down at a table and you're just opening up the menu and, and let's say the waiter comes by and he puts a plate of something in front of you and then he walks away and you're like, what's, what's this? I didn't even order anything. That's the same to me as like when you share a post on LinkedIn without any setup text along with it. Instead, if I'm sharing an article from Entrepreneur or Forbes or some other place, and I include like five or more words in that setup, like I explain, this is a great article that talks about leadership in the days of the pandemic or something. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the waiter coming to the table, same waiter, same plate, putting it in front of me and saying, uh, ma'am, we're trying a new mushroom risotto appetizer. We'd love it if you could try it and let us know what you think. And I'll be back to get your orders in a little bit, but you know, do give it a try. Let us know. And then they walk away. Now I know why you put the plate in front of me. Hmm. You explained it, right? So I, I think those are just a couple of the mistakes that I see people making. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. Um, and I wanted, to, I wanted to ask you also about um, how... How often do you think that these people, like a C-level managers, if we're talking about them, and for that matter, actually, um, any anyone else, how often they need to be on LinkedIn, and how much time they need to spend on LinkedIn? What what is what is your advice in this sense? Great question. So. I like to tell, you know, like I explained to people, like LinkedIn is a communication channel. So let's think about your work email. How long, and it's a communication channel, right? Your work email is a communication channel. That's the way you're sending and receiving information from people. So how long would you go without checking your work email? You know, a day? Probably not, not even. You'd probably check it at least once a day, maybe the beginning, maybe the end. Maybe you have segments of your calendar that are, this is when I check my work email, but you look at that probably at least once a day. And there may be an occasional day or two that you skip it, but it's really a place that you go to and look for that information. LinkedIn should be thought about the same way. So you should be spending a little bit of time every single business day on LinkedIn. And what that means is you don't have to be actively posting and uh, going into discussions and sending and receiving invitations, but at least spend 15 minutes a day on LinkedIn every single day. And what I would recommend is if you only have 15 minutes, just spend it reading through the homepage feed and see what are other people in your network talking about, especially those first level connections. And if something resonates with you, give it a like or a reaction, maybe two to three times a day. If you have the time, add a comment and make sure that comment is five or more words that helps the algorithm. And that also builds up some social media karma for that person. 
but at minimum, just kind of scroll through, just treat it like another, another news outlet. And some people are very avid readers. They look at, you know, their, their home paper and maybe business publications on a regular basis. Treat LinkedIn the same way because you may see important updates, whether it's people changing jobs, getting promotions, sharing information about their companies, and maybe those are, are leads or targets for you. You're going to miss that information unless you're on LinkedIn. And in 15 minutes a day, I mean, we all have 24 hours a day. I don't have more via tech. You don't have more. We all have 24 hours. We decide how much sleep we're going to get. We decide whether or not we're going to exercise. If you want to make LinkedIn work for you, you can find 15 minutes. Cut out TV. Cut out your other social media. Um, if you're at the executive level, you know, think about the first thing you go on in the morning is LinkedIn before you check your work email. Like you can find the time if you really want to make that time to do so. Hmm. Yeah, very, very true. And um, I think those are very valid points which you just mentioned because uh, uh, I think the the more you put in, the more you can expect. And I, I truly believe that, especially for for us business owners, executive executive managers, uh, people in these positions, I, I think LinkedIn really should be, I mean, I'm biased, of course, because I spend a lot, long, a lot of time on LinkedIn, but I really think that LinkedIn is the platform you should be on, right? Like a really cut down your Instagram, cut down the Facebook, cut down some, some you know, other TikToks and stuff and just invested in, in a LinkedIn because it makes more sense, I guess. Yeah, I, I find personally, um, I mean, LinkedIn for me is my number one source of referrals and business. And I and I do dabble. I go on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and I go on the other networks because some people are only found on those networks or certain people I interact with only on Twitter. And even though they have a LinkedIn account, they never go on it. So I, I kind of go pop around on the sites. But for me, when I think about where am I getting the most business opportunities, it's LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Brenda, I know that um, you spent um, uh, last last year, or pretty much, uh, uh, you know, big part of the last year, uh, finishing your book. And uh, I wanted to talk about about your book. Please uh, tell us how how um, you know how it came about. Uh, and it's I, I think it's quite exciting, right, to to write a book, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's 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 kind of like uh, giving birth to a baby, <laughs> like having a child. Really, I know nothing about that. <laughs> from from start to finish. I mean, even like if I think about my husband, you know, that um, the satisfaction of him holding the child for the first time is it's similar. You know, there's not the childbirth pains that you got to go through, but um, the process of going through a book, it's creating something. And for me, I'd, I, I, I'd always wanted to write a book and I never really knew what I wanted to write a book about. And I think it was probably two to three years ago. I said, I, I people started asking me, uh, when I was speaking at conferences and events, do you have a book? I want to buy your book. And I said, I don't, I don't have a book. And they said, how do you not have a book? It feels like you should have a book. And I got, well, mental note, when people start saying, you know, how do I find your podcast? It's time to start a podcast, right? Because they see you as you could be offering good time. If they say, hey, um, where do I buy your book? You should probably have a book, right? Um, and, and there's different assets you can do that with that. So for me, it's like when people started asking, I started kind of floating the idea around in my head and a big hiccup for me in the beginning of Viatech was, um, you know, the imposter syndrome. How do I write a book when I'm not as much of an expert as everybody else is that's out there? And then I started kind of looking around and seeing what was in the market, you know, what was on Amazon. When I went to Barnes and Noble bookstores, I would look and see what's on the shelves. And what I was seeing was um, a lot of similarities. You know, people were, there's the LinkedIn for dummies and, you know, the processes and, and things. And some of these books were outdated. You know, they weren't keeping up with LinkedIn where it's at today. Um, and others were, they were just more of a different type of an approach. And 
I eventually said, you know what? I don't, I don't think I, I can make it different in terms of the knowledge because LinkedIn is LinkedIn is LinkedIn. But what's different would be my approach and how I teach it. And one of the things when I, when I would do public speaking, I would, you know, when I introduced myself in the beginning, I would you know, talk about my marketing background. And, um, and then I would say, and in addition to my family and my job, I also love coffee, chocolate, and pie. And every time I would present, I would bring a pie and I would, I would put business cards in a hat and I would draw a name and I would give away a pie and I would talk about my love of pie. And it was kind of just a fun personality element. And that's all it was in the beginning. And I really do love pie. It's kind of a, something that not everybody owns. Um, so I started kind of thinking, you know, how could I incorporate this personality element into the book? And I started, you know, I remember once I gave a talk and I was calling, I was, the, the theme of the talk was about pie and marketing and LinkedIn and social media. And I used a hashtag social media pie and it was just really for the event. It wasn't really meant for anything else. And people started posting and using the hashtag. And it was like a day or two later, somebody who attended that event wrote a whole blog about the talk and she used the hashtag social media pie. And weeks and weeks after that, people were still using this hashtag. So I did what any smart marketer would do. I went on um, GoDaddy.com and I reserved the domain socialmediapie.com. And then I went on every major social network and I reserved the handle socialmediapie with no really plan of what to do with it at the time. But I'm like, I know I need to hang on to this so, so nobody, else, nobody else can grab it. So then when I finally sat down to start writing my book, uh, I knew I wanted it to be a LinkedIn strategy book, but I wanted to have social media pie as a part of it. Um, so I ended up, coming up with the title. I'm going to hold up a copy of the book right now. It's called Social Media Pie, How to Enjoy a Bigger Slice of LinkedIn. And when I went through the process of, of publishing, I, I actually contracted to work with a book publishing coach. His name's John Staley. I'm so glad I did because he helped to guide me through the process. But I, you know, I put this out to peer reviews. I had some, some friends and connections read the book. And then, um, so I was using the community throughout the process, which is a big focus of social media pie. It's like paying it forward, creating the social media karma. And um, after I had the first draft, I got their feedback. And then I started getting cover designs and I put the cover designs on LinkedIn in a post. I had three options. I didn't like any of them, but I'm like, maybe I'm overreacting. I'm not a book publisher. Put it out to a community vote. I got people responding back and everybody was pretty much overwhelming. Don't like any of them. And here's why we don't like them. It doesn't have a personality. It's not you. You need to be on the cover. Um, we need to have something with pieces, real pieces of pie. So I went back to my publisher. They came back with a second draft and there was three versions which were closer. And I ended up picking elements of each and then incorporating them into the cover. And I, I did a photo shoot. And in the photo, there's actually a little pie tin. This is the pie tin that I use when I go out to events when I would do the pie drawings. So I was using those brand elements. So yeah, it's now just been published here in January of 2021. Um, I did a pre-sale before the holidays and, and it's now up on Amazon as of about a week ago. And um, I'm just having a blast, you know, it's it's been a fun journey going through the process. Yeah, and um, I've seen your I've seen videos that you were you were delivering the books um, to your to your yeah. fans and um, and to your to your clients, which is actually a fantastic fantastic thing to do. Um, how the book has been received, and uh, and just tell us a little bit more about the content. You know how how did you um, how did you you know craft everything together? Yeah, so I mean, in terms of how it's been received, uh, right now I you know it's kind of interesting, Vita, because I think about when I get a book. How soon after I get it do I read it? And let's just all be honest. You know, if it's, I, I might flip through it right away and then I get a quick gut check. Do I think I'm going to like it or not? If I think I'm going to like it, 
I will probably put it on my nightstand or put it in my car. And then when I have downtime sitting at the doctor's office waiting or don't want to be on my device at night before I go to bed, I might re read the book, but it's not probably right away right that night. Um, you know, and so when I'm, I just got the book, I think it was January 9th and I just started delivering it early last week. So it's in hand. I think I've seen one or two people flipping through it and they say they like it, but they, nobody's read it. I don't think cover to cover just yet, mm -hmm. but, um, I've written the book in a way so that it's, it's structured. There's some storytelling in there. There's pie quotes. There's people in my network at the end of every chapter, they talk about their favorite pie. So people are going to be flipping and looking for their names in it. And then there's an overview of how to use LinkedIn, how to build your profile, how to send in invitations, how to use it for business development. So there's different sections in there. Um, but the presentation today, I'm a marketer. So the presentation of this, I think has been key. So when I, when I package the books and mail them out, I bought this bright pink envelope. Magenta pink is like one of my brand colors. And this is what they get mailed out in. So I put the mailing label and, and send them out. And, and you're not going to not see that in your mail. That's not going to, that's going to stand out when you get that in the mail, it just puts a smile on your face. Um, and then anybody who ordered it during pre-sale before the book was actually in my hand, they, if they were in my area, I said I was going to deliver it to them in person. So the videos you're talking about were from people who um, were in my area and they captured me on video coming out of my car and I, um, I have a pie costume. I made it for my daughter's Halloween party last year at school. And I get out of my car and I put my pie costume on and I have a mask on, of course. And then I walk over and I deliver the book pouch to the person. And then we grab a selfie photos, socially distanced and all that other good stuff. So I really know this isn't just, a, this isn't just a book. This is an experience. And that's, that's kind of what the essence of social media pie is about. It's not just from take, it's not just about taking on LinkedIn and pushing selling on LinkedIn, but it's about relationship building. It's about paying it forward. It's about building that social media karma. It's about making other people feel good because then they in turn will want to return that, that favor to you. So all of these things I'm doing, you know, the pink envelope, the pie costume, the hand delivering to people in my area, replacing the, the launch party that I would have had, all of these are element marketings surrounding this, this marketing of the book, because I could have just printed a very simple black and white book that looks like every other business book out there. I mean, I've got, literally, I've got slices of apple pie on the front of my, my book cover, and um, I have a picture of me. I didn't have to have anything. It could have just been text, but I knew I wanted to do this differently and incorporate some of my personality and some of my personal brand into the approach. Um, so that to me, I think when I think about the reception to answer your question, it's been so well received. You know, I meet some of these people I'm meeting for the first time in person because of the pandemic. And they're like, wow, I can't believe I'm meeting you. It's like meeting a celebrity. I'm like, it's like, you're a celebrity for me, you know, meeting you in person. So that's just been a lot of fun. Um, you had a second question. I don't know if I got to the second question too. What was that? Um, actually, I wanted to ask. Um, you mentioned you mentioned not, probably that not everybody or not not many people read it cover to yeah. cover because it's been just delivered. It's really fresh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is what what would in your words be the essence of the book? What would you think that people, if they read it, um, what they should take away from the book? I mean, when I think about the subtitle, it's how to get a bigger slice of LinkedIn. So how can you get more out of LinkedIn? You might be on, but you may not be using it the right way. Um, you may not be aware of all of the different features and how they impact your ability to be seen by others in, in your LinkedIn network. You may not be filling out of the fields, so they're limiting you and coming up in search results. You may be never posting on LinkedIn, which is limiting your visibility. You might be posting sales messages, which are turning people away. Um, so there's so many, and you know, throughout the book, 
examples I give and I give explanation and rationale and then step-by-step -step instructions. Here's how you do this. And I give examples. I give a lot of shout outs in the book. Go on Howard Davis's profile, for example, and you'll see an example of a branded header image. And he's got a, a, a interior, commercial interior design firm and he shows projects behind it. So I talk about it in the book and then I refer people to go to profiles to look this up. So this isn't just about me, Brenda Muller and what I'm doing on my profile which rocks by the way, you know, I don't mind saying, but it's about other people in my network and demonstrating different techniques and giving them shout outs um, throughout to help you understand, you know, different uses of the platform. So it's really meant to be, I think if I, if I were getting the book, I would probably open it up, flip to the uh, table of contents and then find the area I'm most interested, read that first. And then I would probably flip to the back because then I realized she's naming a lot of people. I'm going to flip to the back and see, did she name me in here? There's a lot of people in here. I'd probably flip to the back and do that. And then I would probably go back to the front and read it cover to cover. Um, that's probably the order I would do and I would recommend other people do as well. Um, but, you know, I think everybody will approach it a little bit differently in terms of, you know, what their needs are right now. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting with, the, with your book experience and uh... I really wish you a lot of good luck with that and um, a lot of happy uh, happy lis uh, listeners, actually um, the people who will read it, right? the readers. Yeah. Um, actually, about the, talking about listening, um, are you preparing audio book as well, audio version of the yeah, book? Yeah, so, so it's funny because um, you're like probably the third or fourth person that's asked me. And remember when I said earlier, when people start asking you, you need to do that, that thing. And it's not just one person. Uh, so for me, there's phases of, of publishing, and this is my first time ever publishing a book. So I knew I needed to get it up printed first for sale on my website, listed on Amazon. So there's like stages of doing this. And I have a digital version of the book as well. Um, the next phase would be getting it on Audible and some of the other sites as a audio book as well. But I, uh, I don't even know where to start with that process. So I ha probably have to start reading around, going to blogs, looking up information and then figure out what the, the phases are going through. But I will, it will be me. It will be me reading it. And I've already had a couple of people saying, if you do an audiobook, make sure it's your own voice and make sure that you have enthusiasm. Mm. And for me, I mean, you can even hear how I'm talking right now. I'm not a flat presenter. I used to be, I was very nervous and self-conscious and didn't have a lot, of, a lot of confidence. The older I get, the more comfortable I get in my own skin. And I realize that if I'm enjoying it, other people are enjoying it. And if I realize that I, if I am using enthusiasm and laughter and, you know, different variations in my tonality, it's more interesting to you to listen to it mm -hmm. as opposed to having, you know, assigning it to somebody and having them read it. Um, I've had that happen a few times with my favorite authors. And then I read their book and I'm like, oh, it doesn't sound like her. I've heard her in interviews. That's not her. So for me, it'll be, it will be my own voice. So I invite, if your listeners have resources on, you know, getting audiobooks started, I welcome any, any and all help. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'll, I'll be, I'll be looking, uh, looking forward to, to the audio version of it because I, I listen to all the books and you're absolutely right. You know, whenever I listen to the book, which is written by the author, it's very, very different. It's very different because you know what you wrote and I think I think you you give certain accents to the words which needs to be um, you know kind of like a focused on and, and things like that and the, the the tonality as you mentioned yes I, I very much agree with you that um, yeah the author should read the book if it's if it's of course possible yeah and, absolutely mm -hmm. uh, 
Brenda, I know that you, you're busy not just with the book, but also with your LinkedIn stars, or LinkedIn rock stars, actually. And um, I know that uh, there's a, you know, I don't know if, if many people, they, they, how many people actually know about this, but it's a, it's a really nice ranking of, um, of a LinkedIn experts and, uh, and LinkedIn, you know, um, personalities out there. Uh, tell us a little bit about this, you know, because it's kind of interesting, you know, how, how did it come about? And uh, tell us the story about, about LinkedIn Rockstars. Vietak, do I have you on my list yet? I'm not sure, really. I, I think you should be because you're at 11,000 followers. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to add you to my list. Yeah, well, I, I would be honored. <laughs> yeah, I would love to do that. So I was looking before we got, jumped on the call this morning and I said, I, I don't think I have him on here yet, but I know um, your, your specialty is LinkedIn video marketing. Is that correct? Yep. So I have, you know, I have three lists right now and I'll get into your question in a second, but I have three lists. I have my LinkedIn trainer version, which are, these are people who specialize in LinkedIn as a part of their core service offering. There's the non-LinkedIn trainer version. And these might be people who work in financial services. It might be resume writers, you know, who don't really do LinkedIn um, or other people. So it's kind of the non-LinkedIn trainer version, I call it. And then the third version is anyone who has a hundred thousand or more followers and that's a mix of everyone because they're at a whole other level. You know, they're not, you know, mere mortals like you and I are. They're kind of like a, a superstar status. So I put people in the three list. I think you would probably belong into the LinkedIn LinkedIn trainer version. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Okay, so in, in terms of the background, how it was created um, back in, oh gosh, I don't even know what year it was, probably 2018, maybe 2017. I think it was 2018. I, I really wanted to figure out how do I propel myself up to that next level of LinkedIn knowledge? And there's a huge learning curve that occurs. And this is what I do for a living, but like, how can I learn more? How can I get, grow faster? How can I teach more people? So I started just kind of paying attention to the other people that were maybe a few years ahead of me in doing LinkedIn training, consulting strategy work. And originally um, my inspiration was from John Asperian. I'm not sure if you know John, he's based in the UK. Um, and he was tracking data and reporting on it in his posts. And he had like charts and statistics and percentages. And I messaged him like, how, how are you doing this? Is this just like Excel? He's like, yeah, I'm just putting together an Excel table and I track my own progress over time. Um, and I said, well, I could do the same thing. So I started putting together just an Excel file and I listed out the person's name, their LinkedIn URL, and I would visit their profiles, um, you know, once a week or so. And then I started thinking, well, how can I track who who is growing the fastest? And we can't see connections. We can't see the connection number on LinkedIn. We can only see like 500 plus, but you can see followers and followers are pretty close to connections. You usually have a little bit more followers than you have connections. So I started, I added a, 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 a table or rather a column to that table that would say followers. And then I would track it week after week to start to assess how fast were these people growing on LinkedIn in terms of followers. I knew that if you're putting out good content, you would be gaining more followers. If you weren't active on LinkedIn, you weren't putting out good, good content, your, your growth would be slow or, or very minimal. So over time, I was tracking that. And then I started thinking, well, how can I measure myself against them? I can't measure myself against somebody who had 70,000 followers if I was at 10,000. So I started looking at percentage increases. And I knew that if I was growing at a faster percentage increase rate than they were, then I was doing things right. 
And um, so that's kind of the origin of it. And I think I was doing the list for maybe six months or so, just on my own, just out of my own curiosity. And then one day I, I decided to, to pull a John Asperian and publish my data. And I put it out there. And at the time, I think it was only LinkedIn trainers and coaches. And there may have been 25, 30 or 40 people on the list. And I published it and I said, um, and it wasn't even a, a thing at the time. It was just like, here's some data I've been tracking with people who specialize in LinkedIn. And, you know, here's how we rank against each other. And they all responded. They're like, wow, this is fascinating. How long have you been doing this? And I decided, well, I'm going to do it again next week. So I was at the beginning, I was doing it every week. Um, and then it's, I was, I started to take nominations of people say, hey, hey, can you add me to the list? I would say, sure. And I started putting some criteria in place. So you had to have at least 6,000 followers um, because I didn't want to gain, I didn't want to like start adding people to the list who were like 500 you know, followers, 1,500 followers. I wanted to make sure you were in the game. You were committed to this and you were growing. Um, and then I started getting people who were not doing LinkedIn training, but they said, um, I'm, you know, I've got a lot of followers. I'd love it if you could consider adding me, tracking me. And then I started thinking about, well, it's not really fair to track this group against that group because the LinkedIn trainers, we were doing things so much differently and so much more focused. So I split the list, list out and I had a LinkedIn trainers version and a non-LinkedIn trainers version. And then there was this whole other category of the people that were like, you know, 5 million followers, like your Gary Vaynerchuk's and um, Barbara Corcoran and other people that I just, you know, it wasn't fair to categorize them. So I put the 100,000 plus in a third list. And then I think I started, I, over time, I was moving from a weekly list and I was rotating every third week. Um, I did that for about a year. And then I recently made the decision. It's so much work to do this. Um, I don't take self-nominations anymore. If people want to nominate you, I will look at your profile. If I feel like you're matching the Rockstar criteria, then, then I'll add you in. And, you know, at one point I started calling it the Meller Marketing LinkedIn Rockstars. Someone had given me advice. Don't just call it LinkedIn Rockstars because LinkedIn may come after you and say, this is our name. But if I call it you know, Master Miller Marketing LinkedIn Rockstars, it's my version of the LinkedIn Rockstars. Um, and that seems to work. And LinkedIn is aware of it. I've had a couple of conversations with people that work for LinkedIn that are aware of it. They appreciate the effort. They really are hands off. Um, they don't get involved with it. But um, for me, it started, you know, Tech with how do I grow and learn from others? And now I do it because it shines a spotlight on other people. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun going through the process. Um well, I have to say that um, I'm looking at your, your list on a regular basis and uh, to be honest, I draw um, some inspiration to, um, to whom to um, you know, invite for the podcast from the list. So um, the, just recently I was talking to Susan Rooks, for example, she will be on the podcast. Um, actually, she was already, the podcast was recorded. Um, there's a Stella um, uh, from from Oman. You know, she will she will be she will be on there, and then you know um, Sandra Long and some some uh, you know some other other people there. So um, I do do watch very closely your list, and I think it's uh, fantastic. And obviously, uh, you mentioned John Esperian. John Esperian was on the show on the LinkedIn Smart Podcast. So we already recorded his podcast, and um, yeah, I love I love what he does. And there are a lot of lot of other good people like Jeff Young and. Um, we could actually yeah. carry on and on with these names, right? Yeah, right. It's, it's good to hear. And it, what's interesting is about this list. I mean, LinkedIn does put its own list out. And what do they call it? Like the LinkedIn. top voices. Yeah, top voices, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when these lists come out, some of us look at it and, and we're like, who are these people? We've never heard of these people. Um, and there's not like a LinkedIn trainer 
LinkedIn strategist version of their own list because they don't want to, they don't want to admit that there are people who are heavier in terms of LinkedIn strategy and knowledge than the people that work at LinkedIn, I think. I don't know. But, um, you know, for me, it's more of like, it's not a Fortune 500, you know, or, you know, Fortune 500 type of a list. It's not endorsed or sponsored by any. I have had people approach me that say, I want to buy my way into the list. How do I do that? Or I want to sponsor the list. How do I do that? And I said, no, because it's going to change the dynamic of what this is about. Um, for me, it's, it's never been about monetizing it. It's always been, how does this help me, Brenda Mahler, to learn more and to excel? And then how can I help other people who are showcasing, being showcased on the list? And there's been people, for the most part, once you get on the list, I don't take you off. If I start to see um, some negative, I've had a couple people who've, you know, kind of uh, poked holes in the list and my, my theories and my methodologies, and they've criticized it. Well, I pluck them off the list. You know, if you don't want to play in the sandbox, you don't have to. This is bringing visibility to you. But if you don't want to be in that space, that's fine. So now when people are nominated, I reach out to them and I'll say, Viatech, you were nominated to the list. Is it okay if I add you? And, you know, probably 95% of the time they say yes. Every once in a while they say, you know what, I don't, I understand what you're doing. I appreciate it, but I don't want to, I get too competitive and I don't want to change what I'm doing on LinkedIn because of the list. And I've even had a couple of people approach me to say, can you take me off? It's been very minimal. But um, for me, it's it's creating a place. And, and to your point, I've had so many people say, I look at that list for expertise. Hmm. And you might say, why are you doing this, Brenda? You are showing your competitors. And I'm not even the top ranked person. I'm usually like between 10 and 15 in the list. But I'm potentially pointing people away from my profile to look at other people to help them with LinkedIn strategy. But it's kind of like a... Um, my friend Terry Bean calls it coopetition. Uh, I think it was Elisa Bennett. She calls it the uh, restaurant row analogy. But when you put people together in a category, we all do better. It's it's the rising tide lifts all ships mm -hmm. type of philosophy. So I feel that by surrounding myself with other people who are doing similar work to me, um, it actually helps all of us collectively as a group. And the restaurant row analogy is when you go, you know, if you're looking for a restaurant, there's clusters of them in a block on a street. And it's the same thing. If you can find them all there, all of the restaurants benefit from from that strategy. I think I think you you're very right, and it's a very correct assumption that um, you know it's not about you know how how we have just 24 hours a day anyway. How many clients can you really handle? Um, and then right. you know bringing people together will you know will help you to elevate your expert status as well. You know with with everyone else. Um, and I just wanted to say and add and really appreciate your work because I'm, I'm sure it's just a lot of work behind, <laughs> behind the scenes, you know, to track these numbers and the things, you know, I'm always, um, you know, I'm really, I'm shocked, you know, whenever you come up with the, uh, <laughs> with the, with the Excel sheet, I was like, my God, and that must be, you know, that must be even many, many hours working on it. Uh, and it's fantastic. And uh, I think for people out there, especially for the listeners who they don't know this, it's really great, uh, great tool to look at, you know, who is doing what and, and you know, how, are, um, you know, for the people out there, uh, basically just kind of um, advice who to go to, who to follow in terms of, of LinkedIn advice and LinkedIn expertise. And I think that's really fantastic job what you've done. Uh, congratulations for that. Thank you. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, in terms of the time, it's almost a little bit, um, you know, it's like mindless activity for me because it's in, going in an Excel file and right click, open a new tab, right click, open a new tab. And then, I mean, I, I, get, I get into this mode where it's almost like um, 
you know, it's just your mind knows exactly what to do. So I kind of just, you know, I'm not even thinking about it as I'm putting it in the list. It's just like this mental mind capacity thing. And it usually, it takes me about an hour to compile the numbers and sort the data. And then it may take me another hour or two because I like to go through their profiles and see what they're posting and comment on things. And if they, there's articles that are worth sharing, I, you know, put them in my, in my scheduling tool. So there's, there's time that is required, but I, I, I know every time I do the list, I learn new things. And every time I, I, I publish a list, I'm building up social media karma. Um, so it's an, it's still an investment in me. So it's, it's part of my training and education to do this all the time. Um, but to constantly kind of evolve the process, you know, it is time consuming. I'm not getting paid for it. Um, and I have to think about, has this gotten me any business? You know, maybe, I don't know. I, I've not tracked anything back to the list exactly, but I always do it for the self-enjoyment. And then how is it helping the community of people who have referred business to me? I mean, there's been a people, other people on the list, you know, they may be in, um, Australia and they get approached from a from a client here in the U.S. and Michigan and they say well I know Brenda she's somebody you should probably work with because she's in your back, backyard so I know that has has helped me out mm. so it's all worth it it's all time well spent yeah I think I think it reminds me a little bit of uh, of me doing my podcast because that's uh, that's very very uh, not not a similar activity to yours I think it, yours is much more uh, time consuming you know um, but I think it's at the end of the day it's something which we enjoy right like I really enjoy talking to people talking to different LinkedIn experts around the world if it's uh, being from Japan uh, Singapore US you know wherever else and it's kind of like a, it's really enriching discussions and I think you visiting the profiles of other LinkedIn experts it's it's a similar thing right like a, you can learn a lot of other things you can um, you can get a lot of information from from those those uh, profiles so I think yeah it's uh, it makes makes a lot of sense to me actually yeah absolutely it's inspiration time well spent <laughs> <laughs> I would like to carry on with our discussion, but I think we, we need to stop somewhere. So, so um, I would like to draw this, this um, interview slowly to the, towards the end. And um, perhaps uh, one of the last questions I wanted to ask you, it's a bit more personal, you know, what does LinkedIn means for you? You know, what is, what is it for you? Oh gosh, LinkedIn has been so many things for me over the year. It's been a place where I've, I've found a job. It's been a career path for me. I never thought, you know, back in the day that I first joined LinkedIn, that this is what I would be specializing in for a living. Like that's crazy to think about. It's been a path for me to become an author. Um, it's just been, you know, so many different things in so many different areas. And, you know, it's, it's, it's opened up possibilities for, for my future as well. Um, you know, being able to connect with people from around the world and, people having conversations with people that I never would have had conversations with otherwise. And, you know, the first time, even like people like you, Viatek, I mean, this is the first time we've talked, but when we finally connect after having been connections for a while, you feel like, you know, people. Mm. So it's, and it is at a professional level. It's not the, the Facebook, like I'm, I'm a little bit more private and selective about who I accept friend requests with on Facebook, but LinkedIn, I'm pretty open. As long as you're not pitching me in your invitation. And as long as you're not, thinking this is eHarmony or one of the dating sites when you're reaching out to connect, as long as you're appropriate. I mean, this is a great platform to connect with individuals from all around the world, different industries. So it's just, it's been so many things. It's hard to like put my finger on like, what's, what's LinkedIn one thing for me, but it's just been so many um, opportunities and possibilities for me. Any goals for LinkedIn 2021? Oh, gosh, great question. So I've been focusing on actually building a, a larger following on my company page on LinkedIn for 2021. 
Um, and I, um, I, you know, there's a way that you can invite people to follow your page. And I was at the hundred level and they've now given me access to 250 invitations per month. So I'm really trying to focus on growing that. And I'm using my LinkedIn personal profile more for, you know, like I post once a day, I do LinkedIn lives on there. So if I do a LinkedIn live, I may not post that day, but I try to focus it more on um, sometimes it's inspiration, shout outs to people, things like that. Whereas my company page, if you go there, it's a lot of, it's, it's blogs, it's um, upcoming events. It's sometimes it's featured Q and A. So if I have somebody who emails me and says, how do I do this? If it's not a blog, it might just be a post. I push it on my company page. So really building out my company page as a resource of information about LinkedIn strategy and also building it up as a lead generation source for my business. And I like to think about your personal page and your business page, like your personal page is kind of like uh, going going to the shopping mall, if you will. It's like you go there because you're socializing. Maybe you want to buy something. Maybe you just want to get out of the house. But when you go to your company page, it's like walking inside a store in the mall. And you go there with intent about learning about the products and services. You're open and receptive to that. So I really feel like there's a huge opportunity in company pages in 2021. I'm leaning into that more, growing more of my following, and then we'll see where that leads to. Awesome. Uh, Brenda, again, thank you very much for your time. Um, uh, for all the information, all the all the wisdom you shared with us uh, today, and before we go, uh, please let uh, uh, our listeners know where can they find more about you, uh, and where where can they buy the book? Yeah, great. Well, if you go to mellermarketing.com, M-E-L-L-E-R, mellermarketing.com, it's like Keller, but with an M. And if you go to that website in my top header bar, you can see a link for book. And if you click on that, there'll be instructions on you can either purchase a direct from me. Uh, if you're outside of the U.S., if you prefer to buy it on Amazon, there's instructions on how to buy it on Amazon as well. But while you're on the website, you know, I offer a variety of webinars. Um, I have a Power 30 webinar series. It's free. So you can learn more about LinkedIn strategy, checking me out. And certainly if you want to invite me to connect on LinkedIn, do make sure that you mention this show, uh, mention Viatech in, in the podcast that you heard me on, and I would be happy to connect with you. Awesome. Uh, Brenda, once again, thank you very much for your time. It was absolutely awesome to spend time with you here on LinkedIn Smart Podcast. And I hope uh, we will welcome you again in the near future, perhaps on a second book. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> thank you so much for the opportunity to be attack. I had a lot of fun today. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? Go to squaremotion.me.